Sherwood Neese, today's guest, is a principal and chief crowdfunding data analyst at Crowdfund Capital Advisors and a partner at Crowd Capital Ventures. He was one of the primary movers during passage of the 2012 Jobs Act that launched the crowdfunding industry. He'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. Woody, thank you so much for joining me again. It's so good to have you back on the show. My gosh, it's been it's been too long. It has. It's great to see you and be with you, Devin. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Woody, you are doing uh, some of the most uh, remarkable work. Well, let's step back. I mean, like you are the OG of investment crowdfunding. Let's let's be real, right? Uh, I've heard a lot of people take some credit. No one is bold enough to say that, like I, I did everything. But but when I listen to stories about how they deem themselves worthy of credit for getting the uh, Jobs Act passed back in 2012, no one can top your stories. No one comes even close. Yeah, I've heard you tell the stories of going door to door in the in the uh, House office buildings, talking to congressmen, trying to get this bill passed. What a what an incredible, really world-changing thing that you led. So kudos to you and, and uh, thank you for doing that work. Uh, what do you remember uh, about that experience, particularly that you want to just share? We'll just touch on it for a minute. Um, th- a couple things. Uh- One of them is the late night meetings we had. I remember sitting in Senator Bennett's office, um, working with one of his staffers on how do we prevent pumping and dumping? Um, And we didn't have that in there. And I, you know, being an entrepreneur, having had that background of starting a business, funding it and exiting it, you know, I literally looked at him. I was like, listen, these are long-term investments. Let's just put a 12-month holding period on it. And he's like, 12 months? Okay. And we wrote that down. So people all the time are like, well, where did the 12 months come from? And, you know, I hear other people talking about it while the, you know, the regulators put it in there and all that. I was like, no, it literally was a meeting that I was having with, you know, you know, Andy Green and Senator Bennett's office. And we were like, how do we prevent pumping and dumping? And that's how we did it. Um, and the other thing was how we were the, um, the, the pawns. Like we actually were going through Congress and, you know, we are entrepreneurs. We're not lobbyists, not even close to it. We're not lawyers, so we don't even understand the legal uh, frameworks under which these bills are turned into laws. Um, uh, But we understood that Washington operates by people sharing information, not even information that they'll share within their own parties. So we found ourselves as being this intermediary between Democrats, between Republicans, between Democrats and Republicans, between the House and the Senate. And it was fascinating that... um, People got to know us. They trusted us with the information that we were essentially bartering. And I think that's why we were able to come up with, I don't know if you, you probably don't remember, but probably nobody remembers because I was there <laughs> with Jason and Zach. <laughs> yeah. But the bill was stalled. And um, we realized that we needed to come up with a compromise between the Democrats and the Republicans. So we just wrote the compromise. We sat down with the three bills that were in the Senate and we said, well, what are the best of both worlds? And what are they trying to accomplish? And we merged that together and we went back to all three of the senators that were pushing this forward. There were two Democrats and one Republican at the time. And we presented this as the common sense compromise. 
to investment crowdfunding. And they're like, well, are, these, are the other parties on board? And we just said yes. And <laughs> that is what became the final framework that was in the law. Wow. So, yeah, That's I mean, amazing. I got a billion of those stories, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. But having been there from before the law passed, which then preceded implementation by four years, four right. long years, you created crowdfund capital advisors really before there was crowdfunding to capture. Uh, and so you have created a database, right, that includes everything. Tell us a little bit about, about that. So my, my background prior to all of this um, started on Wall Street. And then I went to work for a financial um, applications company called PeopleSoft that was acquired by Oracle in Silicon Valley. And I learned all about databases. I learned all about, you know, um, financials and how CFOs want to do the reporting. I went on to become the CFO of my own startup after that. And I integrated everything that I learned from best practices of these Fortune 500 CFOs into my healthcare technology startup, which, by the way, I think allowed me to raise millions of dollars from VCs as well uh, in my own process. Um, but I learned about building databases. So when it came time for this to go live, we had been on Bloomberg television uh, after the bill was signed into law and Bloomberg actually seeded the uh, idea in us. And they said, you know, what role are you going to play? And we're like, well, we don't really want to be a platform itself. And they're like, well, your background is in Silicon Valley and databases and all that stuff. And we buy data. Um, and someone needs to be the data aggregator for this industry. Um, and so I went home and I literally crafted out the entire database based on what I thought the disclosures would be at the time. And I built it. Um, and so when the final rules came out, it was just a, at that time, a matter of adding new data fields to the database. And then when the industry went live, I was able to start pulling in the information. And then we started partnering with the platforms. And so we could have the data fed to us, we can, you know, get it via scraping with permission from them, we can get it through an API from the platforms. But what we developed, which I didn't realize was so unique until we started working with data scientists is we have a 100% complete data set. So it's not only the data that's submitted to the SEC, but it's data that's on these platforms from the offerings. And data that's not submitted to the SEC is the industry code, the valuation, um, so all of that information plays a really important role. Also, the SEC does not get daily transactional information. So our database goes out to every single open online offering. For example, today there's 604, because I looked at the data this morning, open active offerings. So we're capturing every single investment that day, not individual investments, because we don't want to know anything about individual investors, but we get an aggregated uh, amount for each offering and the total number of investors. So we can see over time how these offerings are trending, how the industry is trending, and we can just, there's just so much power in numbers. Um, and, you know, so we built that and now we work with, you know, even the SEC, we provide reports that the SEC purchases from us on the state of the industry. So it's been fascinating to see it all come full circle. Um, and I think that data is going to play an important role in the future. Boy, I, well, no, no question. I, it's already playing an important role in all kinds of things. You're, do, you're advising uh, securities regulators uh, internationally. Uh, you, you continue to do work, uh, uh, I mean, for all kinds of people because of the expertise you've developed. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the insights you gather from this data. You have a really unique perspective in that I think 
you not only have this unique database, but you have uh, maybe a unique passion for it as well, for the data. <laughs> what, what are some of the insights that you draw from looking at this data? So, you know, when we went to Washington, I was thinking this is going to be useful for um, Silicon Valley startups that don't qualify for venture capital because it doesn't hit a sweet spot of theirs. Um, and uh, Main Street USA businesses that are having a tough time at the time when we pushed this through Congress, you have to remember we were in a bit of a recession um, and Congress was looking for solutions. Um, and so this was one of the solutions. And I thought this is going to be a great way for small businesses to go to their customers instead of the bank and get a loan. Um, and so since then, it's evolved way past all of that. <laughs> it's evolved into an entire financial services sector of the industry. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, there's been 5,000 companies across all 50 states that have gone out to be to raise money online, mainly from their customers. But you can do it from your social network, so your fans and your followers as well. These are not only startups, but they are revenue generating businesses. So when you look at the revenues from the prior fiscal year of all of the issuers, now this does, you know, you might have done an offering in 2016 and not done one since, but if you just add up at the time that they did their initial offering, those companies uh, collectively raised $2.6 billion to date. So if you look wow. at how they've probably grown, you can only imagine that it's got to be at least double that. Uh, amount, if not triple, um, since then. So we are pumping billions of dollars into our e economy, you know, and that's economic stimulus. It's happening all over the country. And I think that is a, something that we don't talk about enough with this information and this data is we are actually helping support our economy within the United States. So if we're going to head into a recession right now, we got to figure out how can we get more capital to these startups and small businesses that are actually pumping money back into our economy. There's been over one and a half million investors that have invested in these. They put $1.3 billion into these startups. And I, I, I think I might have jumped over you right now. So I don't know if you wanted to jump no, in no. on something. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Go, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Um, so that uh, one and a half million Americans, think about that, you know, you wouldn't have thought that these, you know, these businesses, which is in a small sector of the, you know, the population could garner that much interest from that many Americans. Um, I think that speaks volumes to the interest that Americans have in supporting local businesses in their own communities or startups in their own communities that can go on to do bigger and better things and potentially have an exit down the road. These startups and small businesses have supported over 220,000 jobs. Um, so when we went to Washington, we were pushing jobs. Washington at the time was buying jobs. You know, investment crowdfunding is a job creation engine. So we need to be thinking about that and thinking about ways in which we can promote that. So it's great to see that these businesses at the time maybe have no employees, but if they get the capital, they can hire the employees. And this is how, again, economic stimulus. By the way, it's also tax revenue. You got payroll taxes, you got corporate taxes. It all feeds back into what our government is looking for. Um, this is happening, like I said, all across the country, 1,500 cities. So it's not New York City. And it's not just Silicon Valley. It's not just, you know, you know, Austin, Texas, but it's here in Denver, Colorado, where I live. It's all across the United States. And I think that counters what some people originally said um, is this is, you know, adverse selection. These are going to be the worst companies that go online to raise money. You know, VCs would never invest in it. Now we're seeing VCs that are doing parallel offerings with the crowd. 
And they're saying, listen, we're going in on it. You should come in on it as well. So they're bringing in these customers. And you, why are they doing that? Because the VCs are smart and they know that if you can create a marketing agent out of these small investors, they're going to do more in terms of marketing for that company and that offering than they themselves could do through the Rolodex. Um, and we're seeing that through the power of this investment crowdfunding model in terms of the revenue growth that these businesses go through. Not all of them. You know, I want to be clear. There's a ton of risk in this. Many of these companies will fail over time, but there's there's there are good ones in there and they will succeed. And these people that invest in them early will have phenomenal returns. Um, this is happening at the beginning. When I'm sorry, I'm just rambling on data. I love it. <laughs> um, when, when the industry started, you know, there were like four platforms that were doing this. There's there's 92 that have been licensed. Some have come and gone. And now we've got 67 active platforms. So think about that from a work perspective for us. We've got to coordinate on getting that information from 67 different platforms out there. And it changes on a, you know, a, a weekly or daily basis, depending on who files with FINRA. Um, right. When we... When we got started, I thought, you know, software applications, like I said, Main Street businesses, we collect the NAICS code, which is the industry uh, standardization code for a company. Um, there are over 500 NAICS code in our database. So you've got hydrothermal, you know, thermal companies going in there. You've got aviation companies going in there. You do have, you know, your food truck in there, but it's, it's amazing to see that it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you've got a great idea with a great team and a you know business model that people will buy into, there's probably a group of people that have shared experiences and knowledge that will invest in that company. Um, a couple it, it other things. It's really amazing, isn't it? Go ahead. Keep yeah. going. Uh, just a couple other things and then I'll, I'll hand it back to you. Um, so... <laughs> You go to, you, you knock on a VC's door. I did when I had started my company, you know, it was constantly flying around the country, sitting behind closed doors, pitching to them, getting a no, wasting all that time and money having flown there in the first place. Um, and it's just very frustrating because you're taking all that time away from managing your company. Now these people are putting together these offerings and managing their offering and their company in front of their computer. And it's amazing because you don't have to step away from your computer to raise the money. Uh, which takes you away from hitting the goals that you need to raise that, that you need to hit in order to raise the capital. It's catch 22, right. really. But the yeah, success yeah. rate when it comes to investment crowdfunding is 66.82% right now. So that means 66% of all the companies out there are successful in the round. So I think there's a couple things about that that are impressive. One, that's an insanely high success rate. So if you go to VC, your chance of getting that capital is about 2%. So why waste your time and energy and money when you can go online and have a chance, higher chance of success with your community, your customers, your crowd, okay? The other thing about that success rate is it applies over demographics. And I, you know, I think we should talk about this uh, some more later on, but you know, women and minorities uh, are some of the biggest beneficiaries and they actually have a higher success rate than the overall industry average. Um, a couple other things, the average valuations, have crept up over time. You know, in the beginning, it was close to the, between five and $10 million. Right now, it's about $16.7 million. Um, but that's because you've got bigger companies coming in. The SEC did increase the cap from 1 million to 5 million. So larger, more valuable companies have come in. But what's really, really impressive, I think, about this um, valuation thing is when you add up the valuations of the companies that have been successful with their round, it comes out to 45 
billion dollars in economic value. So wow. think of that from an investor's point of view. There's $45 billion of tied up potential liquidity in these companies that can go to all these 1.5 million investors um, when these companies have some sort of exit. Now, granted, they're probably not going to IPO. It's very likely they'll have a merger um, or a sale. Uh, but you know, that's where I'm still waiting. You know, we have the seeds of these exits happening. Um, we've got seeds of secondary marketplace taking place, which I think is something else to talk about as well. And I think that's where the liquidity will come in. So now, you know, it's, you know, how do we take all this data? How do we take the seeds and how do we add some water and help it all grow? And now I'll hand it back to you. <laughs> I appreciate that download of uh, your your wisdom garnered from the data. It's it's fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Um, let's drill down just a little bit on women and uh, minority. Uh, you you said that they're actually more successful. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of uh, uh, how they're doing because. You know, in venture capital, women are getting, depending on who you ask, somewhere between one and three percent of venture right. capital, uh, and they don't do a lot better with SBA loans and other channels. They really, uh, and uh, African Americans and Hispanics also are not getting, you know, their fair share of any of these capital sources. What are you seeing in crowdfunding? So. You have a lot of uh, offerings that are put together by women and minority founders. Um, it could be just a, a woman on the founding team. It could be all women. It could be a minority on the founding team. It could be all minorities. It could be the all minority women. Um, you know, there's a whole blend of how this of these offerings look in terms of their management teams. Um, but there's a lot. The vast majority, I would say. 50%, at least 50% of the offerings now have at least one woman or minority on the founding team. But when you look at the investors, and so when, when I was telling you, we don't want to know anything about investors, what we've been hired to do is do research on women and minority founded campaigns or offerings to see who the investors are. And so we interviewed those companies that raise that money and said, can you tell us about your investor base? And where you've got a woman or a minority running a business, well, it turns out that their friends, their supporters, their family look like them. So there's many women and there's many minorities. Okay, those are all their investors. So lodge, So when you think about what's happening here, you've got these women that are starting these businesses. They're really smart. They're really intelligent. They're very passionate about it. They've got a community that believes in them. And they just go out to that community and that community turns out and turns around and invests in them. So because women and minorities understand the challenges that exist in the financial capital markets, and, and I'm not just talking about VC, I'm talking about going into a bank and getting a loan, you'll most likely be denied a loan if you're a woman or minority from a, a bank. Um, that doesn't exist in investment crowdfunding. You're literally relying on your community and your community to be like, I know it's impossible for you to get money from VCs or a bank. I'll step in with what I can. And so they're stepping in at a more rapid rate, uh, at a higher percent than you see when you've got these white male only type of offerings that do, as you can see from the overall data, very well. But the, the women and minority offerings, it just seem to do better because their community looks like them and invests in them because they believe in them and they understand the challenges that they face as entrepreneurs in the capital markets. That's great. That is just, uh, it's exciting to see that. 
Uh, well, Woody, as you think about all you've accomplished, and you've accomplished a lot, uh, what do you see as your superpower? Um, my superpower. Well, I don't know if it's it's a superpower that was um, uh, instilled in me. Let me put it that way. So, my father, who and he just passed um, uh, three weeks ago, so it's been pretty oh, raw. Sorry um, oh, about that. Wow, sorry, but um, he, um, he, you know, I'm the youngest of six. Uh, my father's father was a painter. My father went to the military. He um, put himself uh, through school. He had got two PhDs and an MD. Um, he went on to run pharmaceutical companies. Um, and he instilled in us lessons um, about the importance of work and ethics and making something. And he's like, and it's not just me. And he forced us kids to read, if you haven't, I encourage you to read it, um, books by Ayn Rand. Um, so Atlas Shrugged, uh, The Fountainhead. And and he wanted us to read it because he wanted us to learn a few things. Um, oh, sorry. Um, and one of these was um, taking pride in what you built. Um, because, you know, if you put the energy and the effort and you make it something a reality, you should be proud of what you did. And you know, in, in reality, that's how I feel about the work that we did with um, investment crowdfunding and the, and the work that we did in Washington. And I had my parents come to Washington um, for the launch of investment crowdfunding. And they sat in the front row and it was you know, a highlight of my, my life to have them there and to, for me to say to my father, look, what you taught us, uh, what you forced me to read um, isn't just, you know, in theory, I applied it. Um, and it's the lessons of showing up. It's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen by itself. You need to be the change maker if you want it to happen. Um, and, you know, and so that's what lives in me, which is this passion to be like, well, if something's going to happen, I'm going to be the one that needs to make it happen. You can have other people help you, I don't necessarily, and maybe this is a fault as well, rely on other people to do things that I believe needs to get done. Um, but it's, you know, where I have a passion to get it done and I will show up and get it done. Um, and so, you know, I think that is where my strength and my superpower lies in terms of, um, you know, you know, just be there, get it done, be the change maker that you want to be. Don't rely on others to do it. Have them help you where they're willing to, but you need to be the source of all that change. Wow. Wow. That is a, it's a powerful lesson. And, and we see that, that the power of that in what you accomplished with crowdfunding, right? You know, bringing this about, it's such a powerful example. If you were coaching someone to develop uh, this, uh, you know, this, this compelling pride to, to, to take responsibility, personal action, uh, that, that you learned from your father, how would you coach people to develop that skill? You know what? I would tell them to start small. I think one of the things that is, um, is hard in life is 
you see something big and you either say, I'm going to try and do the whole thing or it's too overwhelming for me to do anything. Um, and uh, everything that um, I try to do, and I'm not an expert at this, and you know, I'll be the first to tell you I try, I fail, but you try again and you fail, and then you keep on trying until you succeed, um, is about picking little things to do and accomplishing that. Because what it does is, well, it gets something done, um, but it gets you moving in the right direction and you feel good about it. I think one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned um, came from a group called Entrepreneurs Organization that I was a member of. Um, and they, ta you know, uh, uh, they taught us like, how do you scale and exit a hyper growth company? And one of the lessons that I learned was take any task that you have and break it down into 100 tasks. And every day, complete 1% of that. And in 100 days, you will have that task complete. And so, you know, granted, you know, you have to go to the grocery store. You don't break that up into 100 tasks. But, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 you know, the whole premise is there's, a, there's so many things in our lives, even, you know, with the database that I had to build and updates to the database. and those, It's all broken down into little minute tasks. And every day I look at my task list and I move 1% of something. And I have probably 16 things actively that I'm working on right now. Um, not just crowdfunding, but I've got this whole secondary marketplace uh, initiative going in terms of disclosures and compliance. I'm still active and trying to stay on top of what's happening in Washington. And so, you know, it's about moving that 1% over there and then, you know, checking it off so that I can hit. So I feel good about myself at the end of the day. And I really do. I, I look over it and my spouse and I talk about what we accomplished and we commend each other. I think that's really important if you don't have that support network with yourself, find someone else that can go, I am proud of you. Way to go. Because you can't just, you know, rely on yourself for this. You need other people to, to be your champion as well, because that type of positive reinforcement helps you come back in the morning the next day, add a few more things to the list and get it done. So, you know, start small, check off those boxes, big things will come. Oh, it's great, great counsel. Well, Woody, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We're, we're excited to have you speak at SuperCrowd 22. Uh, and this will be a great opportunity for people to come uh, engage with you, listen to your wisdom again, uh, and get even more insights from, from you. Um, let me just ask you why you agreed to participate, because we're so thrilled to have you. Well, you have been part of this industry since, you know, the early, early days as well. So uh, anything I can do to help you uh, is, is a, you know, I think a wonderful thing. Um, I also think that you are doing what we need. Um, you have, all of us play different roles and parts in this industry. Um, you know, the platforms play a super important role because they facilitate the transaction. We can't do any of this without the entrepreneurs doing it. We need people like you that can help share the message of the what's happening in the industry. And you need people like me that have the data that can help support what we're all saying. Um, and so, you know, I have a mouthpiece and I do reports and analysis and I work with, you know, family offices and regulators and financial service firms and all that stuff on the data itself. But these are mainly private projects, you know, so the opportunity to be able to take the work that we're doing, reformat it and present it, you know, in, a, in a, an event like yours, I think is just not only 
really valuable for the audience, but, you know, it helps me get this message out, you know, and helps support the industry as well. Oh, fantastic. We're thrilled and we're so grateful that you'll be there and we're excited. Uh, Woody, before we wrap up, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about CCA, how they can connect with you, how they can subscribe, follow, whatever, give them some coaching on connecting. Okay. So I would tell anyone to follow me on Twitter. It's at Woody N, at W-O-O-D-I-E-N for my last name, Niece. Um, I tweet all the time. Uh, so that's where most of my followers reside. You can find me on LinkedIn under Sherwood Niece. Of course, go to crowdfundcapitaladvisors.com. I think the biggest area of benefit for people there are uh, two areas. We have a whole data tab that's got information on like our online investment index. So you can see the velocity of capital taking place. We have a, also a report section. So you can download any of our reports that we've written over time. Um, of course, our website's just full of information about what's happening you know, in the industry itself. We have a, a, um, a newsletter that you can subscribe to right from our website. Um, so you can get the latest as data comes out. I, you know, If I see something in the morning that is a trend that sticks out and is fascinating, you can be sure it's going into a blog post and a tweet. Um, so you can be one of the first people to see what's happening before you know anyone else. So join me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I hope everyone will do that. Woody, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We're so grateful uh, for your time. We're grateful for your energy, grateful for the work you're doing to make uh, the crowdfunding industry better. Uh, we're grateful that you created it. <laughs> and uh, we really, really wish you every success in continuing your work to help uh, make this industry uh, efficient, honest, and fair. Great. Thank you, Devin. It's great to be with you. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.